This morning we're kicking off a three-week sermon series entitled Real Life, where we're seeking to understand and pursue the life that God has for us, specifically looking at three different aspects that are absolutely crucial if we're going to enter into the real life that God has designed us for. Let's begin our time with a word of prayer. Gracious and everlasting God, we thank you for this opportunity to come and listen, this opportunity to reflect on your word. And so we pray this morning that your spirit would speak to us. We pray that you'd give us an understanding of your desire and your design. We pray that you'd correct, comfort, encourage, and give us boldness where it's needed. So we pray that you'd do a work through us here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. What do the following things have in common? What do the following things have in common? Four things. The blood type, AB, blue-eyed redheads, giant squid, and the enjoyment, enjoyment of eating green beans. <laughs> what do those four things have in common? Blood type AB, blue-eyed redheads, giant squid, enjoyment eating green beans. All of these things, according to Merriam-Webster, seldomly occur or are found. You could say those are the four rarest things in creation. There's another thing, though, that we could add to the list this morning, and actually something that we don't want to be rare, something that all of us are actually in pursuit of, yet it's still a rarity, and that is contentment. About five years ago, a preacher by the name of Jeremiah wrote a book called The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment, focusing on this idea that very few find that which is desired the most, contentment. Contentment, you can say, is a position of rest. Basically, contentment is defined as a soul satisfied, a quiet inner peace that has no longer ambition for anything more to find satisfaction. A soul that is satisfied. Contentment, you can say, is rare but powerful. Contentment is rare, but it's necessary in order to be all that God created us to be. You see, when we have contentment, there's three things that can happen when we have contentment. The first, contentment allows us to be fully present with other people. If we don't have contentment, if we're always desiring something more, when we're with other people, those people sometimes then are looked at as what? Well, they've got something that we want. So they're actually objects of they're better than us or they're worse than us because we actually have gotten something that they need. It's hard to be fully present with people when, when we're in a state of anxiety or a state of desire. So when our soul is satisfied, we can be with people and let people be what? People. We're not using people to get something. Secondly, if, if we're content, contentment makes us a magnetic witness. And this is something that's badly needed in the church today, is a magnetic witness that actually attracts people. People like being around people that are grateful and that can enjoy the minute, the moment that they're in. Some of the worst people to be around are what? Those that complain about everything. Those that have no gratitude. 
We want to be around people that what? Enjoy what they're doing. When you're content, what are you doing? In the moment, you're enjoying it. Whether it's grilling in the afternoon, whether it's working, whether it's putting something together, you're able to enjoy that moment. That's magnetic to the people around us. Contentment makes us a magnetic witness of gratitude and enjoyment. Thirdly, contentment promotes generosity. Contentment promotes generosity. Because when we're satisfied in our soul, with what we'll learn about here in a few minutes, it allows us to what? Release everything in our lives to those around us and to the kingdom of God. And generosity is energizing. When you get to be around generosity, it energizes what? Others to be generous with time and treasure. Contentment allows us to be generous. Now, we have to understand because we miss this. There's a lot of people that give a lot of money away and still are not generous. There's a lot of people that give a lot of money away and are still not generous. They're still desiring more and more and more. They don't have any inner satisfaction at all. Actually, sometimes the giving of the way of the money is what? To find the inner satisfaction. So true generosity, generosity that glorifies God because it comes from a heart that's willing and desireful comes what? From a position of contentment because you're releasing everything for the glory of God. Contentment allows us to be fully present with others. Contentment makes us a magnetic witness. Contentment promotes generosity. Things that are badly needed in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces. Today, God's Word has got guidance for us on how we can experience this contentment that will allow those three things to happen. But we have to understand the battle that we're in. This morning, when you woke up, everything in this city wanted you to be discontent. You have to hear this. Everything in this city wants you to be discontent. When you're driving home today, you're going to see how many billboards... When they bought the space on that billboard, what do they want? They want you to be discontent because they need you to want what they're selling. Now, I'm not bashing. You want to be careful how we bash culture too much, but our economy, our economy is built upon discontentment. The Sioux Falls economy would crash tomorrow, would crash tomorrow if discontentment root if discontentment went away. The number one, the number one economic driver in the state of South Dakota is not agriculture. It's the financial services industry. And the financial services industry is built off of one thing, credit. Credit, 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 credit. Now, there's nothing wrong with credit buying a home, but guess what? There's something wrong when credit overextends us to the point where it owns us. And they want credit to own you. This is a lie that no one wants to talk about. Because when it owns you, guess what? They make more money. This is black and white. They make more money. So today when you woke up, everything is working against you. Everything, everyone wants you to be discontent. Not just the economy, but guess what? 
your enemy. Satan wants you and I to be discontent. Think about this for a moment. Those of you who remember all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis 1 and 2 and 3, it's the beginning where the Bible describes creation. Basically giving God's perspective, reminding us that God is the owner of everything. And in the midst of that story, there's this reminder of what Satan does to humanity. And what Satan does to humanity, it does what? It reminds them, hey, everything you have over here, it's really not that good. You should really come over here and check out this tree. What's the very first sin in the Bible? The first sin in the Bible is humanity being discontent with the blessings of God. Right there, Satan had humanity right where he wanted them. Because the moment humanity was discontent, what did they do? They freely started to grab anything and everything else. So Satan is working against us. The economy is working against us. We have to recognize we're in this battle. We're in this battle for our soul and our hearts. Yet this morning there's really good news that God not just doesn't want us to be content, He says we can be content. This is critical to catch. God doesn't just want us to be content. God says we can be content. Look what it says in Psalm 23, the first verse, maybe the most famous verse in the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's not a statement, that's not a command. That's not a command. He does not say, make the Lord your shepherd, do not want stuff. No, no, no. It's what? A statement of experience by the psalmist. The psalmist is declaring that God is his leader, God is his guide, God is his encouragement, therefore what? The psalmist does not want. The psalmist is not saying, hey, we should be content. The psalmist is saying what? I am content. Contentment is not something that God just hangs out there and says, hey, chase after this. But God says, you can be content. Philippians 4 that we read earlier in our service today. What does the Apostle Paul say? He doesn't say, well, I've had a little, I've had a lot, and I've been trying to learn how to be content. No, he says what? I've learned the secret to be content. And this is not just for the superstars. This is not just for King David and the Apostle Paul. This is for all who call on the name of Jesus Christ. Contentment is available to you and I today. But here's what we have to understand. We have to understand where contentment comes from. And so today I got one point, one point for you to remember, because I know all of you right now are thinking about, is he going to end on time to get to our restaurant, and is our roast okay? Right? So I only want to give you one point today to remember. I'm really simplifying it for you, Dan. One point. Here we go. One point. Contentment flows from active engagement with the Lord. Contentment flows from active engagement with the Lord. Contentment does not come from more stuff. Contentment does not come from decluttering. Contentment comes from one place, engagement with the Lord. Let's look at this a little bit more. If you're with me in Psalm 23. Psalm 23 presents some amazing imagery. Here's what's crazy about Psalm 23. It's read at 99% of funerals, but it's experienced by very few of those where it's read at their funeral. Psalm 23 wasn't... There's one line in here. 
There's one line in Psalm 23 about being dead. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is that good? Yeah, that's good news. Pretty good news. Guess what? The rest of the psalm is about being alive. It's about today. It's about now. And check out the description that Psalm 23 gives. This is the beauty of the Bible. The Bible reveals who God is. What the Bible is, is it's human language. God coming to us in human language, trying to find human language to describe how God interacts and who God is. And so Psalm 23 reveals this, that God is engaged in creation. Check out the descriptions here. A shepherd. Now, a shepherd in the Middle East back then was not one who had a nice little kind of feedlot here where you took your sheep, put them in the what? Went to bed at night. You don't even think about it, right? I grew up on an acreage next to people who farm. You went to bed at night, you weren't thinking about the feedlot. You, if you were, you're like, okay, I got bad employees that don't know how to shut the gate. And so a shepherd now, we think of a shepherd who can kind of disconnect. A shepherd then was what? Always on the job. Because you didn't have four fences to protect. You were constantly protecting yourself. The shepherd was engaged with his flock. So the shepherd, that's the first imagery he gets. And then look down with me. He leads me. He makes me. He restores me. Down to verse 4. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. All this imagery of what? The activity of a shepherd. That God is engaged with creation. So many of us today are functioning as moralistic deists. That's your big word phraseology of the day. Moralistic deists. Here's the way that works. I brought a little toy from home. So this is how most of us think about God, right? We were like this. Well, God did what? God pushed the button, started creation, and then it was like, oh, oh, sorry. But here's how most of us treat this. God started it all. It's like, oh, sorry. But guess what? God's got a plan. Yes, you crashed, but God has a plan, even in the midst of allowing that all to happen. God has a plan for that? They're dead. Most of us function as though God is far off, started everything, put some rules in place, and that's that. That's not the picture we get in the Bible. The second way a lot of us view God is this, and this is just as unhealthy, and this is going to get me in trouble. God didn't push a button. Here's what God does. God's controlling everything, and you're just a robot. God didn't just release you over the hill. What? God pushed you over the hill. God's in control. Sounds nice, right? Oh, it sounds so comforting. Don't worry. God is in control. What about for the family that just went over the ledge? Nice control, God. Nice control. See how we can get ourselves in trouble by trying to fit God in a human box? God isn't one who's far off and disengaged, yet at the same time, the picture we get from the Bible is not one of God just pulling strings all the time and we're just little robots here. We get this beautiful mystery of a creator who creates humanity at the same time allows humanity this freedom to live in the beauty of God's creation. Yet what? The Creator doesn't remain far off. The Creator is engaged. It's this amazing mystery that there's not necessarily human language to describe, and so it can lead us to the extremes because we're not good at what? Living in mystery. We've got to work it all out logically. I'm here to tell you, 
God can't be worked out logically. Is God engaged in creation? Absolutely. Does God give freedom in creation? Absolutely. They might seem like contradictory statements, yet we find them both in the Scriptures. And so when we think about contentment, what we've got to think about is this. The psalmist wants us to say what? Are you engaged with God? Not just belief that there's a God who started everything. Not just, well, God's controlling everything, so it doesn't really matter. But what? Active engagement of trying to discern and invite the hand of God to direct and care for us. The Lord is my shepherd is the foundation, is the basis of the psalmist saying, I shall not want. That's not, well, there's a God. That's what? God is active in my life. Contentment flows from active engagement with the Lord. The second passage that we look at here is Philippians chapter 4. So if you have a Bible, look with me at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I want you to see that this concept, contentment flows from active engagement with the Lord, is not a phrase. It flows from the Bible. Psalm 23, we see it flows there, the imagery of the shepherd engagement. Philippians 4. The Apostle Paul says, not that I'm speaking of, verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So here the Apostle Paul has found the secret to contentment. And what's the secret that he gives? It's in the most, one of the most famous verses again, 4.13, that's ever used. The secret is what? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is what's crazy. Philippians 4.13, the most overused Bible verse and the least applied Bible verse. Next time you see a Super Bowl winning quarterback saying, ah, oh, this was such a challenge for me, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Baloney. Baloney. This Bible verse is not about giving strength to some NFL quarterback so they can win the Super Bowl. Okay? There's plenty of quarterbacks that win the Super Bowl without Jesus just fine. What Paul is saying here is this, that when I win the Super Bowl... It's because of Christ's strength that I still have contentment. Because guess what? There's plenty of people that have won the Super Bowl, and you know where they're at today? They're in a treatment center. Because they had that, but they didn't have the ultimate, Christ, who gives them strength. The Apostle Paul is saying here, hey, he's not saying, oh, you know what? Because I have Jesus, I can run a 5K. Not true. I can just testify to that. Right? What he's saying is this. Whether you finish the 5K or, or you do finish the 5K, what? You have contentment through Christ. It's Christ who gives you the strength. So it's the Christ presence with us. The secret is in Christ. Look out through the whole book of Philippians. You want a little exercise this afternoon? Go and read it, and wherever it says rejoice, circle the words right after it. Rejoice what? In the Lord. Circle all the times in the letter where it says in Jesus, in Christ. What's the secret? The secret is in Jesus. Whether I'm hungry or I'm full, I have Jesus, therefore I'm content. That's why the Apostle Paul can say, I've been beaten in a prison. And even in the midst of that beating, what? 
I'm content because in Christ I have my strength. In Christ I have my hope. You can do all things in Christ. What that means is this, is that you can have contentment in whatever you do, no matter the outcome, because Christ is with you. You see, it's active engagement with the Lord. It's Jesus being present and among with us. You want contentment, it comes down to engaging with God. The author Anne Voskamp says it this way, as she's summarizing Philippians 4 and Psalm 23. Contentment is never a matter of circumstances. Contentment is always a state of communion, a daily embracing of God. A thankfulness for all the gifts, the moments in life. Contentment is never a matter of circumstances. Contentment is always a state of communion. That's what King David is saying in Psalm 23. I shall not want. Why? Because of his communion with the Lord. The Apostle Paul is saying, I have learned contentment in hunger and in I have everything. Why? Because of his communion with the Lord. Circumstances do not deliver us contentment. Rather, it's communion with the Lord. Last week, somebody submitted the following question when we were doing our asking time. They said, with all of my blessings, family, and friends, why do I feel so overwhelmed all the time? With all of my blessings, family, and friends, why do I feel so overwhelmed all the time? I think a lot of us can relate with this question. I talk with a lot of people who, who they know. They're like, I have all this stuff. I have so, I've got stuff that 99% of the world doesn't even think about. I've been given everything, relationships, work, stuff, and yet what? I'm overwhelmed. Why? Because we're missing the functioning engagement with God. And we've drilled something into our heads from a very young age that sounds good, but it's just not exactly right. We tell our kids, right? And this is not a bad thing. We tell our kids they ask for something. This happens all the time, right? They ask for something, so what do we say? Look at all of your stuff. You don't need that. You got seven Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at home. We don't need two more. Right? That's, that's the reasoning that we use. And so we drill it into our heads. What? You have all of, look at all these blessings. Why do you want more? You have all of these blessings. And then we wonder why. Well, why doesn't that bring contentment? It's because the blessings were never meant to be the source of the contentment. The blesser was meant to be the source of the contentment. And you can have the gifts without the giver. So stop looking at the blessings for this, your contentment. Instead, look at the blesser. Next time you're looking at all of your blessings, you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to count all of our blessings and give thanks. The Bible does not say, count all of your blessings and be content. No, no, no. Count your blessings and give thanks and allow it to point to the blesser through whom we find contentment. And so today, if you want to experience soul satisfaction, where soul satisfaction comes from, it flows from active engagement with the Lord. Contentment is available to you and I today. What do you and I need to do today? Today has been a simple sermon. 
Contentment flows from active engagement with the Lord, and the practical application should not surprise anyone. Open your Bible. Open your Bible. Why? Again, there's this amazing mystery. You don't know how to explain it all, but God has chosen the written word to meet with us. Okay? God's not out at some tree at Great Bear. Okay? You don't, you don't encounter the living God on the golf course on Sunday morning. You can encounter God's creation and say, God, this is beautiful and amazing, but you don't encounter God. You encounter God in the written word. He's revealed himself to us. You want to engage with the Lord? Open your Bibles. I plead with you, open your Bibles on a daily basis. When you come to the point of understanding the Bible is not a rule book, but rather the Bible is an encounter with the living God, it changes everything. This doesn't mean you've got to read 45 minutes a day and you look out a bunch of commentaries. No, but you know what? You need to hear from the living God every day. I think I've said this before to this place, and I know some of you are uncomfortable with this. I've never heard from God in an audible voice. I've never heard from an audible voice of God. But I heard from God yesterday morning about 6.47. Right here. If we want to engage with the Lord, we need to open our Bibles. So let me encourage you. Encounter the living God every single day. Don't wait for Sunday morning, because guess what? He's a much better preacher than I am. Encounter the living God by opening our Bibles. That's the practical application today. That's it. And so I want to encourage all of us to step into the opportunity before us. Some of you today are at this point in your life. You're saying, well, when I get married, when I get married, I'll be content. Some of you are, when I have children, when I have children, I'll be content. Some of you today are, well, when we get to travel a little bit more, we'll be content. Well, when the kids leave the house, things will settle down a little bit. My, my soul will be at rest. When, when I can retire, I'll be satisfied. It doesn't happen. It does not happen. But guess what can happen? You can be single and say, I am satisfied. You can be married and say, I am satisfied. You can be working and traveling less and say, I am satisfied. You can retire and say, I am satisfied. Because in all of those circumstances, we can engage with the Lord. And contentment flows from active engagement with the Lord. So today, turn your sights, turn your intention away from the improvement of your circumstance to active engagement with the creator of the universe through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I've been searching all over the place for these special batteries. My son brings home just the weirdest toys, and I don't know why these toy makers have not figured it out yet. Why can't they make toys with the exact same battery for everything? So we got these little walkie-talkies. They've been searching everywhere for these little batteries. They can't find them. Lewis doesn't have it. Target doesn't have it. Ace doesn't have it. Like, well, where do you get these things? Because what? Without the right battery, 
the walkie-talkie's not going to what? Talk. You got to have it. And it takes the exact right battery. It's been created for the exact necessary battery. Guess what? Your soul has been created for one thing that can bring it satisfaction. The author Jeremiah Burroughs states, a soul that is capable of God can be filled with nothing else but God. A soul that is capable of God can be filled with nothing else but God. You're going to be searching and searching and searching because there's nothing else that can bring contentment but your Creator. And so today, will you engage with your Creator? Your Creator wants to engage with you. And thanks be to God that He wants to engage with us and we can have contentment. Let us pray. Everlasting God, God, we are just marveling at the mystery of you, the mystery of your creation. God, we acknowledge that we don't understand it all. We don't acknowledge how you're involved in the details, yet still giving us freedom. God, we don't understand it, but we acknowledge that you are the creator, and we want you to be our shepherd. And so this morning, God, I pray for each soul that's in this room. God, I pray that you would be the shepherd of each soul. And I pray, God, that you would give each of us a desire to engage with you this next week. And so I pray now, God, that you'd give our hearts, our minds a desire, a discipline to open your word and encounter you. God, thank you for making yourself available. Thank you for giving satisfaction to our souls. In Jesus' name, amen.